0: Lot, 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 radio.
1: This thing right here. my in the
2: Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show this one, might be we have. There is a
0: pause.
1: Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung They're looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders And as it glows down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter Which at this particular time, destroys half the stadium The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened that this guy need? Uh,
2: CPR or something and at that particular time I lost it to <laughs> bond Yes, yes, yes Today I'm to this one Mike Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into shack I and mean, you can do that I mean, People talk a lot about this <laughs> training staff
0: lock, lock, lock.
2: Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one, mic. All right. Welcome to RSG One Mike. This is D. Wills. All the hosts and callers are brought to you by Patreon. Go to Patreon to support your favorite underground artist or performer. You can also support RSG at patreon.com forward slash Live. You can also find all RSG material at Real Sports Guys on Twitter, IG, and Facebook. And you can also find us on Apple and other podcast platforms. Uh, As you know, we're about to do it again. We, 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 we are getting hot. We're getting regular uh, uh, in these streets and we're back for another podcast. Hopefully you've been catching them um, with us and um, having a good time. We just recently dropped a podcast that we're about to drop with Doug Fisher, uh, editor of ring uh, magazine. It was incredible. So stay tuned on that. We'll probably drop that on YouTube and we're, across the blog talk uh uh radio platform. So a lot happening here. Uh we'll be announcing more stuff as we go. Uh but hey, before I get started, I gotta go to my man in the pick and roll. He always finishes. My man Hank. What's up man? What's
1: going on, D? You know what I gotta tell you, man, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And That's no, right. no, no, no. I'm not talking about Halloween. I'm not talking about getting close to Thanksgiving or for some of y'all knuckleheads out there already playing Christmas music. Get out of here with that. No, I'm talking about this is the most wonderful time of the year. This is the time of the year it happens every year. The air gets crisp, the leaves fall down, and hockey and basketball and baseball and football and college football are all in play all at the same time. It's the only time of the year that that happens when all of the major sports align all at once. A sports fan has to get into his plasma, into his IV, so he can stay up and watch all of this plethora of great sports. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And, D, just want to let you know from last week, I didn't expect an arch rival today, but here we are.
2: Hey, I'm going to say this, man. Uh, I I can't just say on oh, Wisconsin. I can't just say go blue. I just got to say go constant. <laughs> I got, I'm going to be, it's going to be, you know, I saw Coach today, Coach Chris today, so a little emotional. I said, you're going to my hometown, you know, uh, high school across the street. You know, I'm going to have to just watch that one with my eyes wide shut. <laughs> That's how I'm about to come at it. Oh, this is this is a hard week for me, man. I just ah, I'm not. I'm, so I'm glad I'm not gonna be in Ann Arbor. So I can't, I can't it, do it. Me, but this, this is a great time know, of the year.
1: It is. But you know, I got, I gotta tell you this. Well, you know, like last year, I was hoping against hope when we played you all out there. You know, I I I I, I knew that we was gonna to have to play our best game. We was gonna need some quarterback play, and it didn't it didn't turn out. But I am like every other Michigan fan. I am I am excited about this matchup. They made it a night game. Uh, the team look like it's 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 it's, uh, it's doing its thing. I'm going to be cautious. I'm not going to do a whole lot of whooping yet because I don't want to jinx these cats because they ball it. They look good. And they are. And, and they one of those teams, and we'll talk about this later. But they one of them teams. One of them teams that you keep an eye out for them this year. Okay. There's a lot in Ann Arbor. There's a lot that Jim Harbaugh has to work with. Uh, um, that that there's there's really no excuses. They're at home. It's night. The 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 atmosphere is going to be hype. It's going to be crisp. We'll get into all that later. But yeah, I'm, I'm geeked about that. My eyes going to yeah. be wide open. Wide. Yeah, and
2: I, and, I, and I think you're right. This is an exciting time of the year, and so much is happening the and- you know, as we go into the open mic, you, you listen to uh one mic. Um, the, the exciting thing about this is, is all these different sports, but there's always a story brewing. So, uh, and Hank, you'll love this. Why did Jimmy Butler had to go CCRB on everybody? You know, <laughs> now, for y'all who don't know, CCRB is this, is, is, is this rec center on Michigan's campus. Where, you know, it's the kind of place where cats from town show up. You know, you might have a Michigan basketball player show up in the arena. You might have anybody in there. But there's always this one cat trying to prove why he should have gone to Division One, And mm-hmm. it's trying to call out everybody on the court. It could happen at CCRB. For y'all people, Ann I was a Burns Park. It could be Summit Park back in the day. It, it's always that cat that thinks he's he going to beat you with yours. And and, and 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 with his, and, and we'll talk you all the way out the damn arena and yell at everybody on every shot and just cause major commotion. And that's what it sounded like Jimmy Butler did in, in that practice in Minnesota. He just basically came in there with the third unit and said, I'm just housing this. Who got next? He, he kept looking game point like, who got next? He yelled yeah. at the GM, the coach, you want some? You want to team up? Why don't you lace them up? I mean, he just went straight. Crazy on it. What did you think about when you heard that?
1: Well you know what? He, you, you see why, see, this is this is what happens when uh you've got a scorned athlete, okay? He wanted to be traded. You don't want to be in Minnesota. All right? Now he ain't gonna sit around and be a fool and start sitting out games. So yeah, he clowned. But the thing was is how he set it all up. He knew the media was gonna be there, right?
0: Yes.
1: X a fool Calls he said y'all can't y'all can't win without me. He he pulled a y'all, y'all ain't nothing without David Ruffin. You know he he pulled, he pulled he pulled one of those moves right. So he does that. He goes and sit down with ESPN's Rachel Nichols. Calls out his teammates. Calls out the young fellas. But here's the thing that cracks me up though. He turns around right and then calls a player-only meeting. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine that you don't sit out here and clown me? How ah, are you gonna call it if you and you wanna a players? Yeah, let's have one. That man has been so many chairs turned over if I was up in there. How you gonna clown me like that? He gonna have a players only meeting and say, Listen, this ain't about you all. You know I called you out. This is about management. He must be out of his mind. I mean here's the thing about something like that, okay? But you gotta understand. And with Jimmy Butler he wants to be traded. He wants to be moved. But what kind of teammate are you now, Cat? Because if you got problems with management, then there's ways of handling it. But what kind of team player? What kind? Of, what kind? Of, what kind of team player are you gonna be? All right, you don't get your way or something like that, and you go to a team that's got a veteran presence on there. What's that? What's that? What's that really saying? You gotta ask yourself that. You know, we got a lot of players out there that's got that. That's got that wealth of talent. Then they got to figure out a way to humble themselves. That you know, he he kind of put himself out
2: there with that one. But the thing about it is, by doing it, he actually proved his point. This is why I'm saying yeah. this. How are you, Townsend, and any of them other cats? And there was no fight. Like That's my if, too. if you you this is with the CCRB part. If it's really CCRB, then they fighting across three courts? I am yeah,
0: Billy. I've been in there. We ain't playing about today.
2: Yeah, this is one of the great scenes in Michigan lore that nobody ever saw. So yeah, there's other we, places we called the Island. I'm going to give you an example. Boston. Hank, you know Mark Boston. Mark Boston played at San Diego yeah. University. Mark Boston's local product. Mark was one of the cats who got San Diego to the tournament way back in the day. Mark was a baller. Should have been even higher in, in terms of where he would have gone. But San Diego Division One program play. Mark comes on from Christmas. This is when Michigan had, I think, number one team. This is when they had Butch – I don't know if they had Butch. This is when they had Henderson, Relford, all those cats. The the cats that lost to Villanova in the first round, you make sense. So I'm in the gym. We're, We're already playing with Garth Thompson going up and down the court. So then they all show up. That's when we realize it's time to go to the sidelines. We're in high school. It's the big boys in here. Mark is dunking on the whole entire Michigan team. I mean, literally, you're talking about these cats are ranked number one in the country. And he giving them – and Mark's not a yeller. Mike was just going and doing his business, putting in work. My brother, Steve, and Connie they might, was in the arena, on the court, in the place, you know, them playing as well. All of a sudden, people start talking. Next thing I know is a waylay going from one end of the court to the next. I don't know who broke it up. I didn't know how to jump in. You know, I was only like 15, 16 years old. But people wasn't having getting embarrassed. These guys, Townsend – and, and, and Wiggins just took it. Yeah. Like, if I'm a coach, I'm making business, and I'm a GM, I'm looking at how these young cats are reacting. Now, if you go after him and he beat you down, at least you did it. But to just take it actually validates his point, because at no point in any of the reporting that I heard that Wiggins or Townsend, uh, Towns, uh, Towns did anything in response to this, everybody was in awe. This is basketball competition. That would never happen up on pickup court. That would never happen well, no. in that space. Somebody would just, you know, even when Jordan was doing his fighting, people would fight back. Now, they might get beat down, Steve Kerr, might have got slapped or whatever, but they weren't taking it. Right? These cats just kind wow. of took it. So there's, if I'm management, who am I rolling with?
1: Well, see, this is the thing. That's a good question. But, see, this, but this is that, that passive-aggressive crap that's going on right now in sports. But that that drives me nuts. It's like you said, like like you said, if you gonna clown me like that out in public, then yeah, we something's gonna go on. But the, but the fact that he was able to have a team only players only meeting off the floor and they still didn't get involved in nothing. There still was no scuffle. You know, I I I, I question that. I question that quite a bit. Yeah, he got his point across and. Uh, He'll probably be moved. He he actually is a good influence. I mean, he actually did influence what they wanted to do. They canceled practice today. The media was supposed to have been back there today. The uh, Temple Wolves canceled practice, canceled the media out there. So there's something going on out there, but you're right. From a player's perspective, it's like, where's your heart? Where's your testicles? I mean, how do you just let somebody just call you out and clown you and you don't say nothing?
2: You pumping little That's it. I mean – if I'm in the West, I'm like, you know all them cats, they got some beasts in the West. You know, they all like, oh, I, I can't wait for Jimmy to, to leave. We're going to eat these youngins up. If they taking it like that, oh, wait till they see us. You know what I'm saying? But, That's going to be – I mean, if I'm Tibbs, you know Tibbs is one of them tough iron – like, that had to hurt his heart. Y'all, y'all let him talk to your coach like this. Like, I'm the one defending y'all. And, and I'm, you know, it's going to be out the ripple effect on this. Is going to be uh, worth trying to monitor and see what's going on because that's what I came away with that is like he did that he was not only making a point but he made his point because woes gets everything woes didn't say you know big cat trying to choke him out you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. he didn't say that he didn't, the, right. or they had to separate him he didn't say any of that you know even if you think about think about Tristan think, think about how Tristan got treated at the end of the finals right Tristan didn't let right. that go. He saw Draymond at the party, he hit him right across the noggin. He's like, we, I'm, I'm from the south side of Nassau. I'm, I'm, I'm getting mine. I didn't get any right, game. Right. You can say if we step up any time out the arena, the we're going to step up. Tristan took that for real. He went out there in the streets. I'm not advocating violence. But at a certain point, this game is about eat, get eaten or, get, eat, or get, get eaten. And that's the part that Jimmy Butler understands. Like that, he's a fighter. He came out of Marquette with I'm scrapping for Everything. And that's why Tibbs loves it. And if those cats are going to try to win at a level that they think they want to win, I think they're looking at why he is who he is. So we'll have to monitor that. We'll keep an eye on it. You're right. We're going to, we're going to, uh, he, a player's only meaning. I, I can't even, I can't even understand that. We're going to go to college football. You know, every week we check in and kind of get a feel for, Surprises and you know who's uh, who's in the weeds, kind of lurking, um, making that move that we got to pay attention to. Um, you know who surprised you this past weekend um, in terms of teams, Hank. Um, and uh, Darnell, if you out there, you can jump in on this one too. After Hank, you know if you have a team that surprised you, what team surprised you, Hank?
1: What team surprised me? You know, in, 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 a, in a in a not a good way. Was Michigan State? Oh my
2: goodness! They surprised
1: goodness. me because clearly this team is working with smoke and mirrors. All right, now this is a team that, for some, they they had some great seasons. Okay, went to the playoff, you know, but they went three and nine. Surprised everybody, won ten games last year, but they haven't looked good all year. Okay, they go out west, they lose to Arizona State. They should have got beat by Utah State. Um. You know, we, we talked at length about the game that Michigan played against Northwestern. And then they go out and lose to Northwestern. And Northwestern, Northwestern rushed for eight yards in that game. Uh, the eight yards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And they beat Michigan State by two scores. Okay? Michigan State was, the was, workie was supposed to have been a Heisman candidate. They had all these players coming back. And they're not playing well. And it don't look good. That's the thing, too. So, you know, we've, we've talked about all these teams that are in the weeds and stuff like that. But this team right here, with everything that they had going for them, is a grave disappointment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, and it's funny because people are giving Michigan State the benefit of the doubt. Like, well, they'll right the ship. <laughs> they'll get it back. But I'm talking about who they going to right the ship with. Like, I watched that team, and I'm not quite confident um, and for Northwestern to come in there and just, you know, really kind of physically play with them, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, I'm telling you, you got some kids, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're going to compete against some of these elite teams. They won't beat them. But if you below elite, they're going to come at you. Like he yeah. built a program where it's like, we're going to get nine wins. And in that nine wins, we're going to get this. We going to get a Michigan state victory on the road. Right. He's gotten a program to that. And to me, that's Northwestern, right. Where they can play on a New Year's Day bowl or play in one of the top bowls, you know they might not ever get to the four. They might have one of those runs every once in a while, but they're going to beat the teams they should, and then they're going to get they're going to get that one elite win during the year. And this, I think Michigan State has been people have been trying to hype them. I heard Herbst Street, these guys, just say you know they're going to pull it back together. I think this Northwestern game showed they got a lot to clean up. Now they do. That doesn't mean when Michigan comes to town, they're not going to play. The rivalry game is a rivalry game. We build records out, um, and you know, if they find a way to rise up in that game, it has nothing to do with them being back. It has a fact that it has to do with it being Michigan, and it's a rivalry game. But yeah, that's a team that at this point is is very disappointing. You know, a team that surprised me, and not how could I say this? Because their favorite son is boxing this weekend. Nebraska surprised me how bad they are on defense. i got to say this again. My goodness. I just yeah. – I, 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 I mean, Scott Frost has got to someday just think, did I take the right? Did I – should I just stay in Florida? I mean, I said it – already said it. I said it on one of my drops. They should just they should just be the no shirts, not the black shirts. It's funny. I was right. up in the press box like, we're going to find out how, what shirts they're wearing tonight. Mm And pretty quick we found out they weren't wearing black shirts. He got some offensive talent. He got some people. But, you know, Nebraska is just, it hurts your eyes that they're not having any resistance on defense at all. They got a couple good players, but they don't have anything. You know, I just don't, I don't know where, I mean, he's going to get a recruiting class and he's going to get together, but my goodness, they're farther away than I thought. Uh and I'm just surprised that they just are not fighting the way you would think Nebraska players would fight regardless of having you know a new coach come in. I'm just you know, just not competing on defense. Offensively they compete. You know, Martinez, that that kid don't have no quid in him. And that's his bright mm-hmm. spot. But but defensively good like Cass is making business decisions. Like yeah. they're making some yeah. business decisions on defense. And I'm trying to figure out what business you making decisions for because if y'all ain't stopping nobody I don't know to me NFL teams who are gonna be looking at you like no you cannot no. be in the bottom of you know, of the division of of college football and defense and think somebody gonna try and pluck you so thats that that right there is I'm just with my own eyes live just like wow these cats are not very good and it's not like they don't have athletes not like they don't have a couple of four or five star Players on that defense, kids are just not playing hard.
1: That's the thing, D. That 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 I wanted to, to, I wanted put, to put a put up right plug right it there. Doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean. mean. Is that how in the world now you got Scott Frost? And I have to parallel. I do parallel Nebraska with Scott Frost to Michigan with Jim Harbaugh, because when Michigan, when when Jim Harbaugh came to Michigan, Michigan finished that season five and seven. There was, there, was, there was a debacle of a season that year, okay, if you recall. Scott Frost coming in to Nebraska the same thing. Now, the thing that I don't understand is that's Nebraska. Do they have the number one? Do they have some of the top recruiting classes? No, but they still got some athletes over there. That's a power five school. They're a Big Ten school. They are a traditional power, okay? So what I don't understand, you're talking about the defense – I don't see any improvement. This is the thing that yeah. that that is troubling me with this team is that we're now six weeks in, five weeks in. And are they supposed to beat a Wisconsin? No, probably not. Are they supposed to beat a Michigan at, in Ann Arbor? No, probably not. But, my God, how do you give up 40-something points to Purdue? Yeah. How do you – at home, when you are when you are starving for a win, your coach has gone out there and said this is a winnable game. And, oh, by the way, Purdue lost to Eastern at home, okay? Mm-hmm. See, this, this is the thing. I don't know if these kids don't have no heart. Some of this, you got to look at Scott Frost, okay? I know you got to – you know who he reminds me of, truly? He reminds me of when Rich Rodriguez came to Ann Arbor. Let me explain why. Because I'm going to put my system in come hella or high water Right, regardless of the talent that I have, because that's what I want to do. Now, what happens when you do that? When you when you decide to scrap everything that was before you and just go totally on a rebuild? It's gonna be real interesting how long the fan, the student body, the fan base, and the administration is gonna take this. All right, Scott Frost is supposed to be, uh, you know, the the, the prodigal son. But when you look at these other coaches that's taken over their programs, Jim Harbaugh did not go winless in his first six games in Ann Arbor. Neither did Paul Chris. Okay? And neither did any of these other coaches that took over their alma maters, if you will, or the schools that they were accustomed to. There is something there, there's supposed to be something there that brings that whatever that school's tradition is. So you may not be very good, but you're gonna play with the pride. On both sides. Now you, they got. They're one of the few programs that actually got a name for their defense. They call themselves the Black Shirts. They're giving up 40, 50, 40 points a game. You know uh, that kind of craziness. And it's like there's, there just doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency there. And I, that's the piece that I don't understand. I don't see any improvement from Nebraska. I would like to see Nebraska. You know, challenge Wisconsin in the West. So that the Big Ten can be a complete conference, not just the Big Ten East and Wisconsin and everybody and and the contributors. You know, but I don't see any improvement. And you're absolutely right about that. And and you got to look at that coaching staff. Look at Scott Frost. Say, I got to do something different because this team, uh, they didn't have Bethune Cookman on their schedule. They might not win a ball game this year.
2: That's, that's what I was saying. I'm looking at this. So in the last three games. They gave up 56 to Michigan. They gave up 42 to Purdue and 41 to Wisconsin. In the past two games, their offense gave them, in the Purdue game, gave them 28, which against Purdue should be enough to have you in the game to win, right? Right. Again, they they, they scored 24 against uh, Wisconsin, and that offense was moving the ball a little bit against Wisconsin defense. So, you know, they got Nebraska. They got Northwestern coming up. Minnesota. But Minnesota's strong. So, I mean, uh, compared to them, they got Minnesota coming up. They got poo and Cookman. I think that might be a push game. You know, you people out there in Vegas, <laughs> you know, that might be Man, one to fine. put a few dollars on. I'm, I'm just – my brothers down they might come out and step on them, you know, do something, you know, Omega. No, I'll leave it alone. They got Ohio State. That could be 70. By that point, they might put 70 on them. And Illinois is possible – rock game. bottom at that point. Illinois – Good Because they they Illinois, Illinois. Illinois be in pro- they'd be in trouble, too. Good thing they got yeah. them. And then Michigan State going to need a redemption win by that point. Uh, and then Iowa going to put it on them. So, yeah, you're right. right. It's like, boy, 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 this is tough to make you think, I get on a plane and go back to Florida. I can't mess right. with this. I thought I was coming home to something. Dr. Osborne, my my mentor, what do we do? What do we do? I got to go home. So that's the team that surprised me. Uh, teams that are in the weeds that I think – um, uh, would be some teams to watch Florida waking up Now I saw them Last year Down uh, against Michigan Down in uh, Dallas They had some injuries going on But Florida Struggled a little bit Florida defenses look like it's coming together They look like they got something going on Down there and in West Virginia They still got uh, Oklahoma on the schedule um, they still uh, have Texas on the schedule, but I think they just put up 500 uh, yards total offense uh, in this previous game. Uh, Dana is, you know, Dana's that offensive guy. I, you know, I'm trying to wonder what, whether or not they're doing it defensively, but they are playing some defense. Those are some teams that are kind of lurking in the shadows that I think uh, you need to pay attention to. And another team that's sneaking up, a little rough start early on, is Oregon. Uh, Oregon started to put some, uh, together. Uh, they got Washington coming up this week. They are sitting at four and one right now against Washington at five and one. So there's some teams kind of lurking that kind of getting it together, pulling together in ways that people are anticipating Michigan state was going to pull it together. But you got some of these other teams who people weren't quite sure early on, uh, was going to look, uh, look great, uh, that, that are beginning to kind of put some stuff together. It may, if nothing else, um, uh, help to decide who gets in the four because they they get upset down a stretch over a team. What you know team what? do you think might be in that in that in that area? I know you talked a little bit about Michigan.
1: Yeah, here, here's I want you to, to, to I'm gonna ask a question for you before I go on. Now, Florida, you know they're, they're coming on, but now this, now this, now the question I'm asking you is, was that more Florida's coming on, or that uh, LSU is starting to buoy out a little bit? Because no, the, I, here's I the think, thing, LSU was that surprise <laughs> team that all of a sudden had all these quality wins. But now that wasn't a good game played by them, okay? Not at all. That's a game that they should have won, that they pushed, That they pretty much handed to Florida, all right? So I'm wondering, I'm starting to wonder, and I gave Ed Orgeron some, some, maybe some premature credit last uh, week because now when I look up and I see Auburn's done lost again, you know, and, and now they're not playing. This this game looked more like an Ed Orgeron type of team. And I'm asking you, but go on. Do you think that what, – what, what is your what is your feeling? Is that Florida coming up, or was that just an LSU team that, like I said, the the, the the water's starting to find its level?
2: Well, I mean, you also had Tebow coming out, the emotional guy, you know, talking about, you know, he was made for Florida, he'll die for Florida, You know, so they, they had some other elements coming in. I think there's a couple things here. Um, yeah. I think LSU has some issues, you know, still developing offensively. They got a great defense um, and, and, and LSU will be a top 10 team. So a victory over a top 10 team is a victory over a top 10 team. So that's one of the. I think that Florida is beginning to put together um, from a defensive standpoint, uh, I think, they, I think they're beginning to find their identity there, and I think they're beginning to find some things offensive. They got talent. So a win like this LSU stuff, part of it is getting these kids uh, a feeling that they can win a big game against a big team. I don't think LSU is going to – we'll find a little bit about LSU when they play Georgia. But I think LSU is still that, that, that next rung down. I think they'll still finish in the top ten. They've always had offensive challenges, even in the last miles, but they've always overcome it. they got a top defense. And so that's a great victory for Florida as you're trying to build a program. And what I'm saying is I can see them right now. They're sitting at 22. This is a team that could start to get into that, uh, you know, 10, 11 range, which means they're going to have some upsets, which means they're going to win some games against some folks that last year and the year before weren't winning. They just weren't mature enough to win. You know what I'm saying? They weren't able to do – and when you think about their schedule, if they could beat Georgia, they play Missouri, that's very winnable. They got South Carolina, that's very winnable. They got Idaho, that's winnable. And then they got Florida State, that's winnable. I mean, they, the only game they can probably lose coming out if they just play the way they're supposed to play is Georgia. And I think mm-hmm. Georgia's suspect. They're still trying to figure out the quarterback situation, and they created that. again, you had a kid who took you to the national championship – and now you create this quarterback controversy. Yeah, you got, you're got supposed to get another talented cat behind him. Don't mean he got to start. Like, I don't understand these coaches. Now, you know, to he breaks the mold. Young man breaks the mold. I mean, I, uh, Saban, I can't – the way they score points, I can't question it. You know, I, I, get, I actually give I – I can't – you can't complain about that. But these other cats, from it has got to stay. So they got their own little issues, which means I think Florida's in a position to win that game. The rest of the games, they can win. So they can win out. If they win out, then they might end up in, you know, and they beat Georgia, they win what? They they win the East. Now they in the, they, in the, they in the SEC championship. Anything can happen in that game. You know, mm-hmm. so that, you weren't expecting them to be in that. So if they beat Georgia, they might end up being in the top 10. Are they Are they better than those top five or six teams? I don't know. But they can basically run the table. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm saying that after watching last year and saying they're a long way from being anything real. They're surprising me. So the mm-hmm. LSU game is a belief win, belief in the system. You know what I'm saying? You got to have a win right. no matter how it is that the kids say we believe in what we're doing. You understand? And that's right. a belief in what we doing that allows for you to then – if they beat Georgia, it be, it's because they had the belief win? If they would have lost they might have housed them. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the part that I think, and it's hard. I, I got the same kind of reservations you have. But for something, you look at their schedule, they can, mess, they can mess around around the table. Their next loss might not come until they make it to the SEC championship. Right. right. And I think Gator fans are the most annoying fans you ever going to be around. I'm going to say that straight out. And, right. and, 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 but I, you know, I talked as much junk as anybody at Jerry's house when they took that whooping, <laughs> but going in, they had a lot to talk about. So I, I'm not really rooting for them to win. I'm just saying I got to be objective. Right. So who, well, who you know, do you have kind of sitting
1: in the cut? Well, you know what? The easy, the easy money for me would be on Michigan because you got the next three games that could define the season But everybody is watching, you know, they're going to be right out there up front and and, uh, center, prime time, so people are going to be able to see them. But the team d that nobody's talking about, nobody's talking about them at all, okay? North Carolina State. Oh, yeah, I'm going to see that.
2: Doran's doing his thing. Nobody's
1: talking about this team at all. Everybody's talking about the win streak of Central Florida and the rise of Notre Dame. But well, North Carolina State is just quietly putting it together, all right. And oh, by the way, they got they got Clemson at home on the twentieth, all right. And that's going to be an interesting game because see, um, they don't they don't play this week. They got a bye week. They don't play this week, so they get a chance to get prepared for Clemson. And I don't care what nobody say; they still got a freshman quarterback now. What they what Clemson has started to do run the football a little bit, but that's going to be an interesting game. That's going to be a telltale game in the ACC, all right? That that, that game alone could really determine the fate of, of Clemson and their, their chances for the uh, college football playoff. But NC State's been playing good football. They've been playing solid defense, and they're kind of rough to beat down there. So that's one of those teams that, you know, keep an eye on them, you know they no no one's paying them any attention, but they're five and zero. They're ranked number twenty, uh, in the in, in the country, but they're just kind of like ly- literally lying in the weeds. If you if you're not a college football geek fan, you ain't you ain't even thinking about NC State.
2: And uh, you know, Coach Dorn is, uh, you know, we've had a chance to interview him on the air, and like he's a guy that just kind of a straight shooter. You know, Coach he was he a was coordinator here at Wisconsin, um but had success at NIU, then went to NC State and kind of quietly been building the program. You know, he had Chubb on defense last year, right, who uh, went on now to success. So he's had a number of actually players go on to the league. In some ways, he's kind of building that Wisconsin Southeast type of program where it's just kind of solid players. He's got some stars. But nobody talks about him, but he just continues to to win. I think that's a uh, – I think that Clemson game, just because – you know, that quarterback situation is what it is, and a team like NC State can put a lot of pressure on you, and yeah. and so I, th- I think that's a great, that's an excellent I was looking at them when I was look, thinking about it, I think that's an excellent call excellent, excellent, excellent call as usual, Mr. Hank Bank you're doing it all again, you're killing <laughs> it. Uh, you're killing him my man um, you know, we're going to stick with you, man, and, and kind of get into a, a, a little bit of baseball, man now, man, New York, New York! <laughs> wow, the Red Sox went in there just, just straight B town. I remember the Red Sox were just—it was kind of like that, you know—that that scene in uh, Charlie Brown when he go kick the football, and they just think they go kick that football, and the Yankees just pull that ball out from under them and they just land on their head. And they had that right. incredible comeback, went on to win the World Series now we in this in you know in the, in the 21st century and this is role reversals they just they just put it on them, man and you know a lot of people were favoring the Yankees uh you know coming into this just because you know there wasn't a lot of uh you know sure you know they weren't really sure what was you know you know happening with the you know with the Red Sox ace and everything else um but they just kind of and they still kind of play that um you know the Red Sox are the one team that kind of play that, you know, kind of moving the ball. They're not the ones who are sitting on pitches trying to hit home runs. They're playing baseball the old-fashioned way. You know, they are right. moving the runner. They're doing all the other kinds of things going on. But I know you've been watching them, man. What, 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 what do you come up with that series, man? And like, what, what happened?
1: First of all, I was disappointed in this series. Okay. This was the series that I thought was going to be a, one of those five you know five game slobber knockers, and it looked like it was going to start off that way, okay? But here's the thing D that I think threw the Yankees off, right? If it's your turn to pitch and everybody done told you, you pitch tomorrow night and the game starts at 7:45, it's the playoff. You pitch tomorrow night. Game starts at seven forty five. You in the playoff. Ebaldi, the pitcher for the Yankees. A man shows up at seven thirty, D. Seven thirty on his night the pitcher says, Oh, I forgot what time the game started. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He promptly goes out and gets shelled. Let me tell you what happened to the Yankees, okay? That threw the Yankees for the rest of that series. If you recall, they went to New York. The series was tied at 1-1. All right? Everybody's like, okay, this is what we're looking for. This is going to be a knockdown dragon. My man throws off the whole momentum of the Yankees. Okay? Your pitcher, your starting pitcher, he shows up at 730. He's not warmed up. He's not loose. He's not ready. Okay? He don't go four innings. They get shelled sixteen to two, sixteen to three, something crazy like that. Okay, then you got to go with old big fat uh, CC to try to tie it back together. It was over. That psyche was shot. It was done. That's what I saw. I, what I did was I got in my I got into the head of the Yankees. I got and let me and, and let me say this. Let me say this to you, okay? The
2: Boston you, you know that's stopped. a scary place. You said you got to the head of the Yankees. You know that's a scary place.
1: Yeah, that's a scary place because see, I can't stand the Yankees. All right, but the Boston Red Sox made me a Yankee fan, and I got into the head as a baseball fan. I'm thinking to myself, now I know this is my chief rival. Okay, this is this 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 is a historic rivalry. You know, if nothing gets your blood going, it's playing your rival for a chance to win a championship. Do you just now? Now, now I'm gonna take y'all on a journey with me for a minute. Okay, think about this for a minute. Both of y'all good. Both y'all won a hundred games this year, okay? You missed out on winning the division by maybe five and a half games, but I got a bill. I got, I won me, I won me a hundred games too. We can hang with y'all, and we're gonna upset y'all. so y'all had a record-breaking season. We are gonna break y'all heart. We are gonna break y'all heart, and one of your own. One of your own ain't ready. You can't even kick him up because he ain't even at the field yet. You can't even relax because yo, where the starting pitcher at? You know how it is. Okay? If Everything <laughs> everything needs to be right when you about to go against your rival because you got to go. My That's man right. ain't ready. Yo, my man ain't ready. He ain't here. What are we going to do? Now I can't think. Now I can't get into my mojo. Boston comes out and hangs 16 on you. And oh, by the way, you got to play tomorrow night. Now you got to play tomorrow night for your whole season. Okay? This game wasn't even competitive. All right, you still thinking about this game going into the, the fourth and deciding game? It was an embarrassment, and you know what? That young man should be ashamed of himself. He brought down a whole he brought down a whole team with his selfishness, with his with his inability to to do what he's supposed to do. That's what happened here, okay? Because you know you got to be in some sort of mindset. They beat Boston in game two, okay? Put it on them. In game two, right there at Fenway Park, we coming home. We hype, we getting ready. My man hanging out. I don't know what he was doing. But how do you forget it's your turn to pitch, dude? Where you at? And that took him out. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. And they was pissed about it, because they couldn't recover from that. Had they lost two to one, three to two? Five to seven to six, even if they had lost in the last inning, they'd been ready to go. But they took something away they took their heart away by scoring sixteen runs. They were pissed. They couldn't get it together, and there went the series. That's what happened. I mean,
2: he had that was, eighteen. would hurt. He had an eighteen ERA. He had one, an eighteen look, ERA. He gave up six runs uh, in uh, three innings. Yeah. And then,
1: in a, and then,
2: and then, not even what a third of the inning, whatever. Uh, Lynn gave up another three. I mean, they were out of it. They were out, out of, of it.
1: it. They were mentally out of it. Them not knowing what the damn pitcher was, they were out of it. Okay. In, in, in the meantime, Boston came ready. We got to go to New York. We remember, we remember having a good season. Thought we had these dudes being Barry and and and, uh, and um, Boone comes up and hits the home run to send us home. And he happens, Aaron Boone happens to be the manager. Oh, they was ready. Boston was ready, and New York wasn't, and that killed the Yankees. And that should have been a series
2: for the ages. It's unfortunate. You listen to Real Sports Guys, one Mike, uh, We're here uh, talking a little baseball uh, about the, the Boston uh, and Yankees series. But I want to move on uh, to, I said, you know, are the Astros the new Rodney Dangerfield, man? Cats coming out mad. They get no prime time. Are they being disrespected? What's going on? No prime time. What's going on with the Astros? They feel like they ain't getting no love.
1: It wasn't the Astros' fault, man. It had nothing to do with the Astros at all, okay? It was who the Astros was playing, okay? Unless you was in eastern Ohio, okay, northeastern Ohio, you didn't care to see Cleveland, all right? Trust me when I tell you. the, the, The Milwaukee Brewers and the National League were the darlings, okay? You had Hollywood out there with the Dodgers, all right? You had, like I said, the heavyweight fight with Boston and New York. Nobody wanted to see Cleveland. Everybody thought Cleveland got into the playoffs by default because they played in the American League Central. You heard me tell you that. Okay? They thought every last one of their wins was based upon the fact that the Central was sorry versus the Houston Astros, the defending champ. They thought they was, what that was going to be is exactly what it was. It was a walkover. That's what everybody thought it was going to be, and they figured, you know what? Let's wait because Houston is going to play the winner of this heavyweight bash. So that's what you saw. Baseball fans, and I'm telling you, baseball fans, they just assumed and it was right that Houston was going to win that series. The only way Houston was going to get on prime time if that series had been gone back to Cleveland 1-1. Had that series gone back to Cleveland 1-1 or Cleveland had a 2-0 lead going back to Cleveland, now it was going to see must-see TV. Outside of that, that was that was the that was a
2: given more than anything else. It wasn't Houston's fault. It was who they was playing, you know. And I think like, baseball. It, it, I think it, baseball didn't want to give Chief Wahoo any shine. I don't think so either. I don't think I, so I either. Think, I, I think I think you know, Cleveland fans got to think about that. You know, y- y'all got a mascot that looked like y'all got that character going on. Baseball might have been like we we you know we don't have to give you any shine. We'll give we'll give you that we'll give you that 135 start. <laughs> will we, <we'll> give <laughs> you see you what that I tell you that that, that, that that it
1: was not the Cleveland Indians who baseball wanted to you know uh, showcase. They wanted right. to showcase Milwaukee Brewers and Kristen Yellich. They wanted to showcase uh, the dot like I said the, the the Yankees and the and the Sox. And hell, they 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 even have a problem saying welcome back to the playoffs to the Braves, even though he was short lived. Thanks for playing, but you're absolutely <laughs> right on that. I, I fully I fully uh, agree with you there. They, they, there was there was no desire to show the Cleveland Indians in any way, shape, fashion, or form. And I, and, and, and and face it, the, the Indians won the the Central League. They got a good team. Okay, they got a formidable team, but they just were they were they, they were going to be the bridesmaid this year. Okay, you had three teams in the American League that won 100 games, okay, and two of them was playing each other. So, again, unless Cleveland had, had somehow won a ball game or even had a lead in that, they were going to be also runs. Nobody cared. They were waiting to get to the next series. I, I just didn't expect it to be this soon.
2: Before we go uh, to our next segment with Darnell, I want you to give us a little bit of thoughts on with the you know, ALCS and the NLCS Kind of what you think might happen.
1: Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first one on here to tell our listeners, do not sleep on the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay, I had an opportunity to watch the Brewers probably more in these playoffs than I have all season. I always thought there was a cute little story. This is a solid baseball team. Yep. they've got a very strong defense. They hit the ball well. Christian Yellich, one of the most exciting young players in the league, hit for two cycles this year, in my opinion, is going to be league MVP. A solid pitching staff, Gio Gonzalez, uh, you know, who used to be with the Nationals when they was with the had that murderous role pitching staff, you know, now doing his thing. You know, he's going to be starting the series now against the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw. And be careful if, the, if Milwaukee takes that first game, and don't be surprised if they don't beat Kershaw. That's what you want to watch. You can't help. You can't ask an America League. You can't ask for nothing better than the team with the best record against the defending champs. Again, another series since since 1977 have we had two teams play for, who both had over 100 wins and playing for the American, playing for a championship series. This is going to be a good one. This going to be a real. We're going to see how good Houston really is because Boston really has assembled an all-star team, okay? When you think about their pitching staff with Chris Sale and Porcello and David Price and Kimbrell, you know, you got J.D. Martinez. They've got a lot of weapons, but then so does Houston, all right? They're starting with J.V., Justin Verlander. And um, so this is going to Chris Sale against Justin Verlander. You would think a few years ago, D, this would be the White Sox versus the Tigers, you know, now mm-hmm. you've got to be in the Red Sox against Houston. But this is going to be a solid series. I look for this to go seven. This is a toss-up. This is a toss-up. You know, you've you, you got all that talent on Boston against the experience now, dare I say the, the, the playoff experience now of the Houston Astros. And, and it was going to see if, they, if they're they. In my opinion, the winner of this series is your World Series champion. Unless barring some crazy injury or something, this is the one. But, I'm, but do not sleep on the Milwaukee Brewers. That is a feisty
2: squad. Well, hey, we'll keep posting it. We'll keep monitoring it. Um, this has been great. You listen to R S G one Mike. We're here with Hank and Devon and my man Darnell. We're about to bring in. We, we, all, we got a segment we created, but I'm proud of this young man. He uh, participated in our recent Cypher uh, podcast where we had with uh, Dougie Fisher from uh, Ring Magazine. Uh, who's the editor there, and uh, did a really good job with that interview. And so we want to call a little moment called The Moment uh, with Darnell, where he's doing a moment for boxing there and talking a little bit of boxing, kind of bringing us in. So, Darnell, you in the house? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. All right, man. Take it away. I'm going to stay with you on this one. So do your thing. All right.
0: All right. Billy Joe Fathers versus Demetrius. Andre is off. The fight was um, scheduled to take place on October the twentieth for the w b o middleweight championship and um Billy Gossard has tested positive for a stimulant called ooxyfluine and uh today he has relinquished his title and um andre will fight somebody else for the title somebody we don't know <laughs> Named Walter or something wanna you have any thoughts about that on Devon? So, so, so
2: let's try they just try to give him the belt huh. He had to do all that training. Um, they're gonna find a way. They felt sorry for him, so they're gonna try to give him the consolation prize and just and give him the belt. Now, wasn't wasn't Saunders or something like that just complaining a lot about steroid use and everything else or whatever? Wasn't he like out there a little bit around that issue? And it, is, you know, is it, you know, you know, folks in glass house kind of thing? You know, can't really throw stones. What what kind? Of, what's going on with that?
0: Like what, like what the old heads used to say. Um it ain't no far when the rabbit got the gun. But um <laughs> There um, we go. Charles is the main one talking about how um Canelo Alvarez should be um banned for life and now
2: he's testing positive now. See. You you you, you need to be careful about coming out here in and judgment and and, and and talking about folks, uh all together. But yeah, I think it's 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 you know They'll find a way to smooth that over. You know, we've had a number of incidents with this stuff lately. They'll find a way to move on to the next one. And, you know, probably when he's ready, he'll live with a suspension. He'll come back and fight again.
0: All right. Also, coming up this week, we have the number one powerful power fighter in the world, Terrence Crawford, fighting against um, Jose Benavidez, the older brother of um, David Benavidez here on ESPN. They've had a couple of back and forth going on this week. We saw um, yesterday Jose Benavidez went to Terrence Crawford's gym and he was talking. He was talking mess, and they they almost got into it. Did you see? Did you see this, Yvonne?
2: I, I heard a little bit uh, of it. This is what I must say: Benavidez Let sleeping dogs lie. I mean this, and it's gonna be it's gonna be in Nebraska too. I mean, in this guy Crawford, he going to – I've seen him beat cats and hold him up just to punish him. So I don't know if that's a good move, man. You know, certain cats you, you can do that and go at with, he ain't that kind of cat. Like this cat, he would fight you in the ring, he'll fight you out the ring. So I don't think that's a good move for him. I think he's going to sleep. Uh, I think he's going to sleep early. No I, I, I would say I think he might hold him up and beat him up a little more. I'm thinking six rounds. you going to put him to sleep because that's one thing you don't do. You don't disrespect Terrence Bud Crawford.
0: All right. Last week we had a very big fight in um, the world of MMA, UFC 229. We had um, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus um, Conor McGregor. And this fight was a pretty much a, a wash. Um Khabib from round one showed his um, prowess on the ground game and his wrestling game, and he dominated Conor McGregor and eventually um, submitted him in the fourth round. But the most important thing was what happened after the fight. (laughs) Yes. Khabib, Mergerman, well, let's back up a little bit. A couple members of Conor McGregor's camp, in particular, Dylan Dennis, which is his jujitsu coach, he um, was talking to Khabib pretty much off pretty much um, throughout the whole fight. But after the fight, he specifically said, or well, someone from the crowd, some sources from the crowd were saying that um, he called him some um, Muslim slurs, which I'm not going to repeat on this uh, on the airways over here. But um, but after this, a infuriated Khabib. Khabib um, threw his mouthpiece at him And then jumped over the cage After he jumped over the cage He um, charged that um, Dillon and then a brawl Did you see this?
2: Yeah and I would say this Khabib comes from the same cloth as Crawford These are cats Who take stuff literally They ain't into the promotion game They into the beat down game like, It was like after the fight was over He was still looking like he could fight more rounds like, you already saw he was heated, and he went over that fence. You know, he went crazy. The crazy thing about it was how they allowed them cats to go right back over the fence and get at Conor. Connor. Like, you can't stop him from going out, but you should be able to stop cats from coming in. I mean, they came in and bum rushed Conor like he was at one of them Irish pubs. They was like, we just going to jump you and beat you down. It was crazy. And then you got Dana White up here acting like he dejected, but counting checks in the back room. That's the funny thing about it. I mean Dana came out, and I know people say he really hates this, but he didn't start, he didn't send them checks back. he didn't sent none of that money back. he ain't sending anything back in fact if 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 Khabib gets sanctioned in, uh, in in Vegas, he'll be fighting in the O2 arena in the UK. I mean they I mean you, UFC is global or he'd be fly, he'll be fighting down in Brazil you know he gonna, he can fight again he just can't fight in Vegas. So I think it was it was interesting but it's it it, it, was, it was it was Dana White's thing as a promoter to control. He had the prep could be for what promotions are like. He needed to be talking to him in his ear. It doesn't seem like cats were in his ear keeping him on the promotional tip because he takes that stuff seriously. You talk about his religion, his family. So but when he went over that, when he went over that fence, I was like, "Oh, somebody about to get choked out." 'Cause he don't believe in just beating you. Like he when he was beating Connor, he wanted he was beating Connor like Ali. Remember the cat we didn't want to call him Ali, kept calling him Cassius. He kept beating him. And
0: making,
2: I mean, that was that was that was the mode Khabib was in. Like, you're gonna respect my name. You know, he was in he was in some he was in some uh some straight up baby mode. My name is my name. Put some respect on my name. You know, that was where he was in. He was in that he was in that kind of you know, old school, no limit soldier type move. Like, that was Khabib in in that mode. And you could tell, you could see his eyes. Like, I could see it through the television. I don't know how anybody in the ring could see that he was still heated after it was over. So, uh, you know, I hope, I'm hoping, you know, kind of like we talked about on with Doug, is that, you know, maybe you only give him six months, give him a fine, and take it in context that that there are certain things he had a right to react to. Right. So you feeling fun. good, young fellow?
0: Feeling good.
2: Okay, now. Got to keep your stamina.
0: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing. One thing I was gonna. Say, <laughs> one thing I was gonna say going back to that was it was definitely very personal for Khabib. One uh, one moment in, in the fight, I remember. Um, he had. He had. Connor in the back position, and he was laying down bombs, and he was talking trash to him. He was talking stuff to him, too. He said, he was like, talk now. Talk now. He said, what you got to say now? Talk now. And, like, his broke his broken English, and it got, it got wild. And even after the round, he heard Conor McGregor walk up to him. He said, it's his only business. So, yeah, Conor was over here apologizing, trying to cop, please, you're in the fight. <laughs>
2: Hey, hey! He don't understand. He's dealing with a straight killer. He don't. He don't know nothing about that only business. What he knows is my name is my name. My people are my people. Connor got to understand. You got to. You ain't on the Mayweather block. We're gonna be on a promotion with you. This is a straight. He's 26 and 0 in UFC. That means he takes no prisoners. He's just straight up, hard head and everything else. Well, youngin, I appreciate everything you brought to the table tonight. You know, you got to take us to the break, babe. Take us to the break. Let's go. Oh,
0: shoot. Which
2: one am I? We're working with our entire here. We try to get him on a transition. Oh, that's bad, my bad, my We're trying to work with him. <laughs> <laughs> He tried to bring the dog back at me. Oh, my goodness. You got jokes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Shoot. Where where are you doing that? I'm going
2: to do it for you. We're going to keep training, y'all. We'll be back. All right. (laughs) Next up. RG1 Mike. We're here with D Wilson and my man Hank and, and Darnell still learning how to be the producer in the intern, but we'll keep working with him. We're gonna tighten this up with the youngin'. But we appreciate that segment. This young man that knows a lot about combat sports. And it's great to have him on with us. You know, we all about the youngins. We try to bring him up with us. We're not trying to come up on our own. Uh we're about to move on in to uh our next segment as we try to close it out. Uh, here in the show, and you know, have a have a a, a, a good show. Here we can close out uh, here with the cipher. Call the the cipher. So our cipher tonight is. I've been listening to this kind of the uh, receiver and sports, and you know, uh, Chris Carter said something interesting. You never want to make the wide receiver the captain because. The wide receivers just care about getting their money and getting their yards, and the wide receivers have just been kind of consuming the game in a lot of different ways. Uh, we got we got Beckham, you know, sitting with Wayne talking about Eli, you know. We we got all kinds of stuff going on with these receiver game, these divas. And one of the things I want to talk to you, Hank about, and and uh, we'll bring Darnell in, in 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 a minute to also chime in a little bit on this is. Have the stuff with receivers reached a tipping point? Like, at what point do we need to just say, shut the hell up and catch some football? I'm all about getting yours. But these receivers are giving me a headache. And so I thought I'd spend some time with my boy Hank talking about have this, Have we reached a tipping point with these dang receivers and all the stuff they're demanding. When they way out there, way away from the line, ain't in the battle, and and often putting out checks that all these other cats gotta gotta cash. They gotta they gotta be responsible for. Them. What say you?
1: Here 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 it is. If the one thing that's bothering you is the fact that uh, we are now in the land of social media, we are now in the land of I've got a camera in my face, even if I gotta go to the bathroom. Then yeah. But don't get twisted or don't, don't be confused as to thinking that this is something that they're getting on your nerves with now. You're just hearing about the prima donnas. They're able to talk to you. But let's go back in history, if you will. Follow me back into the annals of history. When the first wide receiver, Billy White Shoes Johnson, used to return a kickoff and do his little dance in the end zone that got this whole thing started. Don't forget at all about Chad Ochocinco, also known as Chad Johnson, or Terrell Owens and him running out to the star, or him doing all his little dances. Or dare I say, go back to the Hogs and the Washington Redskins and the fun bunch, okay? The wide receivers have always been the little headliner, the one that got this party started, okay, because they was out there on their island. Even the ones that was great, the Randy Mosses of the world, if you recall him with his pulling his pants down in the playoffs, okay, or or playing that he did after a touchdown, they've always been showtime, all right? The problem now is you can hear about that. You might get some game film. You might get some game um, audio where you might hear get the popcorn ready or all this other kind of stuff. But the only real humble wide receivers you hear out that was great was a Jerry Rice who did all of his talking on the field, okay? And was very humble off the field. But see, now you have the wide receiver, your Dez Bryant and those type, that feel like they make the quarterback, not that the quarterback makes them. So they're doing their talking and these sort of things, okay? So this is what you got going on. Yeah, you're going, to, you're going to be sick and tired of it, but as long as they're willing to put their mic in their face and someone's willing to listen, this is what you're going to get now.
2: Yeah, and I would say, even though some of those those players you mentioned, they were creative and witty, right? It wasn't like – like even T.O., he was doing sit-ups in his in his driveway, right? He was – Ocho Cinco was – he had the, the he, had, he put the Hall of Fame jacket, made his own Hall of Fame jacket. Like it was something his teammates could even laugh at. It wasn't this. It wasn't this level of, um, like, like when you hear, I, I love Beckham. Some of the things that Beckham said, he I think he was right about in terms of the family, the team, the trust. You know, some of those things he was right about. But you know, I loved Antonio Brown, but you know, the Facebook live and in the locker room when you got a coach like Tomlin, you got a brother over there who's trying to win, who who's winning, who people still ain't giving credit, and you just eroding him with the stuff you're doing. It's like it's it has no strategy. It ain't creative. Even, even Randy Moss's stuff, what he did, to pretend like I'm wiping with, like that was in a rivalry, and that was, it had some craziness and wittiness to it. That ain't what you see in here. You're not you're not seeing anything that is creative, witty, get your popcorn ready type stuff. You just see some straight up whining on some other stuff. Like it's like it ain't about um, you know, um Billy White Shoes Johnson stuff that is about entertainment versus entitlement. Like those are two different things. Ocho Cinco saw himself as an entertainer. He just he it wasn't about entitlement for him and well, i think well, that's, you, the, that's the that's the difference i'm seeing
1: well that's the more that's more of a societal thing okay that that's the other piece if you want to bring that in okay that that now, now you're talking about a more of a societal thing that has found its way into the nfl into these other sports okay where you where you you, you say whatever's on your mind where you there yeah, used to be taboo to absolutely go after your teammates or go after your quarterback, or go even go after your coach, you know. But now you, now you are in a, and even with, like we talked about with Jimmy Butler earlier, now you are in an era of sports and of time where I can just say and do whatever the hell I want to, and damn whoever listens and, and care because this is all about me now. So i I can, I can, I can throw my team under the bus. I can throw my coach under the bus. I can throw my quarterback under the bus while I'm still on the team with him. And 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 look here. There's there's no uh, fear or of, of, of consequences. Okay, there there there's nothing there. There's no retribution or or, or, or anything that's going to be done with these players. So that's why they're doing it. Okay, if you don't check them, guess what happens to the behavior? It's just like with a child. It gets progressively worse, and that's what you're seeing right now. Yeah, the prima donnas out there on the side. Because I promise you, your quarterbacks say that, your running backs say that, you know. Guess what? I'm not blocking for you the next play. Let's see how that works out for you. See, this is why they kind of be quiet because they know where they stand. See, especially in football, oh, you want to dog out your offensive line. Okay, dog me out on this play. Whoops. Whereas outside, I ain't got to worry about that. I ain't got about nobody got to block for me. You
2: know, I get past this corner. Don't you get get choked out in the locker room? Like, at what point you walk into the locker room,
1: we just have this conversation. Like this. Did we not never have this a conversation.
2: Team around, like that, you getting choked out. No, the problem
1: is, D, is that when it is almost given as a culture to some of these in a, to some of these professional locker rooms that that dude right there is untouchable. Excuse me, that dude right there is untouchable. That dude right there, we need him, and we're gonna pay him. And once you give him that money then you, just, you have just inflated that ego of entitlement. And that's what a lot of these franchises do. They're just like Dr. Frankenstein. And they're creating their own monsters. And they're like, it's alive, it's alive. And the next thing you know, no, no, Frankie, not me, not me.
2: And i am telling you right now, I'm saying you don't have to leave any marks. Like, you, you know, you can do some work and not leave any marks. Like, it, it just... It, it it doesn't seem like – see, this is the product of of all the calls in terms of where you can get hit, where you can't get hit. Now these cats are emboldened because they know they can't get hit. I'm right. taking a fine. Exactly. I'm going to take a fine. I'm going to take a fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to set some money across in the bank on interest, and this is just the fine I'm going to have to take. I'm going to take one for for me and for everybody on the team to get that because it's like I think, because you can't you can barely touch them, and that's what I might I might have to take fine, I just might have to, but it's it's getting crazy to the fact where these cats can actually control the direction of a locker room, and right. they're the farthest away from the football, like they are the farthest away from the football, you know and. I'm like, if you keep put me in a position where I got to defend you, then you're going to defend yourself. Like, you, right. you're not out here blocking. It's not like, you know, you're not like some of these receivers back in the day who are going to come and do the crack back, who are going to get in there and get dirty and you know, and, and, and block the way. you just out here hanging out. You know, you're just out here doing your thing. When the ball comes, you're doing what you're doing, but you're not down here getting grimy.
1: Exactly absolutely right and, and, and that's why, but here's the problem okay uh it, it it's based upon salary, so you could be that offensive lineman, you think you would leader of the offensive line or somebody and try to check them they're getting on you, you know, and the only thing that does again is inflate the ego and it inflates that entitlement and see if you if you if you can't stop it from growing, it's going to eventually explode and explodes all over the locker room, and you ask yourself sometimes. Why is this team or that team, you know, you know they got the talent, but they can't seem to get out their own way. This is one of the things we're talking about, and that's why. You think about, you think about Odell Beckham Jr. You think about the, the offensive weapons now that the Giants have, all right? You would think that they would be a little bit, they've always been a defensive-minded team. But now you've got a young man like a Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, and you've got you a veteran quarterback, okay? You should be better than what you are. But it, but but it, it's very the, the clear. The part that killed me.
2: This is the part that killed me, Hank. And it, what, Beckham does his work. But what is Shepard doing? Right.
1: What what right. what is
2: Shepard doing? What you earn to show folks up on this block? Somebody should have hit him in his throat. <laughs> and he, and the crazy thing about it, he gonna push Odell away. I'm like. Where where you where where are you coming from? That's when I thought, okay, it's gone too far I, Odell right. earned he won the top three in the game, but now you gonna play it like you like hold it, we ain't winning no games, and you gonna act like what right right somebody, right somebody should have, somebody should have walked past him and act you know, just hit him right in the throat Back. he should have just yeah. something. Like, how are you even getting into this? I'm gonna come into that receiver room. Like, I wish y'all would do that again. We we gonna have it out right in here. <laughs> the next one, you get on the mic talking. We we gonna gonna take it to the street. Try me. Like that's the that uh, defense. The defensive players got to come and somebody got to come and sell out on that. Because when I saw Shepherd do it, I'm like, okay, now we got secondary cast thinking they like they deserve to be in front of the mic. What's going on? Right. And I like Shepard, but I'm like, why are you – what gives you the reason to think you can act like that? And I think that's part of it. So as you think about this whole entitlement, you and I talk about this. Are there other elements of sports where that entitlement thing clearly exists?
1: Well, yeah, I think ab- – absolutely. I mean, if the thing is the body that drives you crazy is – when you got when you got guys like what you just talked about when you got guys that they're not the superstar right they're not the superstar they may not even be the 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 the, the third of a big three on a hoop court, but they're doing all the woofing they're doing all the talking shut up for a minute okay you ain't get you ain't you you, you 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 says nothing what's that judge say you gets nothing I can't stand <laughs> That's that. Right. You get nothing. I cannot stand somebody who who's not the star, but they've always got a platform. They've always got something to say, okay? And it's usually so off base. And then you like like for example, Jimmy Smith last year, all right? Jimmy Smith last year always had something to say. You know, his LeBron trying to be cool. He ain't trying to throw his man under the bus. But now he's got he's got to, he's got to shut him up. Don't don't say nothing. You 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 embarrassing the team. Stuff like that. I tell you what. But what, what really grinds me, what really grinds my gears, dog, it goes on. I'm old school, okay. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't bite my tongue on that. I don't like when I hear players calling out their coaches um, in the media. All right, I got a problem with that. I always think that there should be some sort of order with your team. And if your coach is your head man, you don't call him out in front of the media. I don't care if you're pissed off at it. okay? There's a level of disrespect there that absolutely fractures a locker room or fractures a team when you're doing that. Because you don't know from week to week that something might click. But when you take authority away from your coach, you've pretty much ruined the whole season. And when you do that stuff in front of folks who don't know what's going on in your locker room from week to week, I got a problem with that.
2: Yeah, this, this, this whole freedom, I'm going to just – uh, in the passive aggressive, I'm gonna sneak this. Like everybody draking. stop draking. Like I'm gonna sneak this. Like what drives me, like this 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 thing that you can kind of, and you go sneak on your coach, and it, that part drives me crazy. One thing about sports, it's not even the athletes on the on the on the on the field of play. At what Point, did it become okay for fans to feel like they can say anything to athletes?
1: Like yeah. that part
2: so, that that has kind of fed the entitlement stuff, just because you pay for your ticket does not guarantee you the right to say just anything you want to, to, to players and say stuff that is like, like you would never say to them on the street. Like if you saw them there, you would never say that, but you got like 12 security guards and your chest is up in there and you feel like you can say whatever, like, like, Getting to that point where you think you can get down with that, that part just drives me crazy and kind of feeds this whole environment where people just feel like they're entitled to say whatever. I'm always surprised cats are saying what they say. There are times where I actually say, but you need to shut up. But it's one of those things where, you know, people just feel like because you pay for this ticket, that entitles you to say whatever you want to say in the field of play. And that's not true. That's not anything what it's going to do. And I don't blame, I ain't condoning, but I don't blame when a cat feel like he got to step tippy toe up in there and, and, and handle his business. So those things are the kind of things, like we have this whole kind of framework for entitlement as we are uh, putting in policies to um, protect and decrease the physical play in a lot of these spaces people are then being more emboldened. And that part is the part that's worrying me. I would be okay with people recognizing that you are not, you are not experiencing it in the same way your predecessors did. And you should appreciate that. Right. <laughs> and don't try to leverage that because I'm going to take the fine. Like I, I, I got, I, I've already designated 10% of my salary to the fine. Just on, mm-hmm. just on street credibility. You know what I'm saying? How we going to get down? And that's right, the part right. that um, um, uh, kind of throws me off. So these things that people feel entitled about are the things that we want to hit in on the cipher. One of the things about it is we learn about these things is that sometimes this entitlement comes to bite you. So Antonio Brown is a lot of discussion about his his kind of developed and kind of contrived public persona given some of the tirades they protected of him uh, where he's had some incidents in his, re- in his residence space, some things going on. And now that starts to spill out into the community, right? So we've allowed this behavior to happen in the space, people feeling bold, and now it spills out into the community, into the neighborhood, impacts some other folk, right? And now he's beginning to, they're starting to peel back the onions sort of speak on him, and you start to see other layers. And this is where that entitlement, this is when, as, as Dave Chappelle is like, and I'm a flipping. flip this is when entitlement goes wrong. <laughs> right? Just what we just said about the boxer who's criticizing folks about PDs and then all of a sudden you get, this is when it's the boomerang effect. This is when it's the glass house effect uh, that right. happens uh, with this. And so when you're a GM, if you're looking at, you know, player development, like if you're thinking about, like, I'm a GM of a team. How do I reset the culture? What are some of the ways in which you might think about how do I reset this culture and build a different kind of organization, given these some of these challenges today? The how would you go? You
1: about You know it? what? Here's the thing I don't understand because no player should be bigger than the game, and there, there are some that are. All right,
2: okay? Bo. All right, Bo. I'm just this, this okay. Did you, you tell me so, that I'm team. wrong? The team, the, the team. team, the team. Hey, hey, Darnell, look at that drop. To okay. The team, the team.
1: I'll give you a perfect team. example. Get that drop, huh? The team, the team, the team. Here's the thing about it, though. Look at it look at somewhere like the Detroit Lions. They've had a losing culture now for 60 plus years. All right. Don't matter who they bring in there, and they bring in these players in here, they still can't figure it out. Same thing with some of these ones like your Pittsburgh Steelers or your New England Patriots. When I say the players are bigger than 10, that means that, listen, if I've got what I need as far as a leader from a leadership perspective and you're not going to follow suit, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I can get somebody else just like you. See, the thing is, D, when we start talking about professional sports, it ain't like you and me, you know, two Mm -hmm. working stiffs got to go in there and hit our grind every day. Now, we don't sit there and we don't try to prepare ourselves educationally. We don't try to prepare ourselves intellectually and uh, any other way to get ourselves to where we are. However, if we, don't, if we don't follow the company line, we're replaced by somebody else, and it moves on. That's the real world. A lot of these guys, and I, I get it, when you're making that kind of money, when you're under that kind of um, uh, spotlight, it's not the real world. But in some cases it can be, especially when it starts to erode uh, the the culture in which you're trying to build. When you start talking about teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, you know, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, you're talking about cultures, winning cultures that's been there for a while. And then you get this entitlement thing. You shouldn't be afraid if you're a part of the Rooney family, if you're a part of that, um, and say, listen, this ain't the, this ain't the – the Steeler way. This ain't the Patriot way, you know, because we're going to win championships with you. We may not do it this year, but we're going to continue to win championships because we know how. And see, this is where I don't understand. It's like, yeah, I get it with the NFL players. They feel like, look, my career is going to be five years tops if I'm lucky. So I'm going to do what I can and, and when I can, while I can, because, you know, our, our contract ain't worth a damn is okay? our collective bargaining agreement ain't worth the crap, so I'm going to get the most out of it how I can. I get all of that, but from a franchise perspective, you got to have a culture you got to know what that culture is unless you've never built one and you' got some programs out there you've got some you got some teams out there that just ain't built one, but those that have need to keep it and follow that line that's won them championships and then, unfortunately, they let some of this uh, uh prisoners run the asylum.
2: Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I mean, it's been so disappointing to watch the Steelers and how they're dealing with this. And I say it's a direct correlation to the power of the team shifting to the offense. Because offensive players don't know how to handle success sometimes. You know, I, 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 I hate to be that way, but when you have Palomalu, you had all those cats on defense. Those are, I think, the cats that manage the locker room when they had some of those strong offensive linemen. But when it shifted to the skilled players, the locker room changed. And I see that on some of these teams. The teams that have a stronger defensive balance and presence, I think have a little bit of more control around some of those things. So even when you talk about Seattle and they talk, a lot of the stuff they talked about were societal and political things. They weren't diva things. They weren't, You know what I'm saying? They weren't. Right. All those kind of things, and I think probably because defensive players have, you know, you always have your your, your prime times and cats like that. But when you look, even the Steelers examine that shift, shifted as Palomalo and some of those key defensive players got older, who were holding down the culture of the locker room, and you know, Tomlin's a defensive guy, and so he ain't really look on that defense. Who's like the real leaders right now? Right, like they got some guys. Who, you know, who can Hayward and guys like that? But Hayward's like he doesn't say much when he says stuff. People listen, but you don't have a guy like Paula Mallow who is leading folks and, and connecting with them. You you don't have some of the, the incredible, you know, they always had these great outside linebackers who were like the emotional leaders and who were somewhat set fear in that locker room. You know, T.J. Watts too young. Some of the guys, that like, are maturing into their roles. So I think – and I've watched teams like that lose some of that. And you see with some of these teams who have some of these receivers dominating the, the, the stuff, the defensive locker room side of it isn't as strong to, like, counterbalance it in a way that, that allows for that respect to be there. They just want issues with the Giants. When the Giants was humming the Giant way, that they right. was run by that front four, that front seven. They had some straight right. dogs. And even though they had some great offensive players, them dogs, at the end of the day, set the tone. And exactly. I think there's some something to be said about that.
1: Same thing with the Ravens.
2: Same thing with the Ravens. You know, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how teams – you know, this is about how you cultivate leaders. How do you set leadership in the locker room? How do you help people understand how to handle success? This is player development type stuff. I love – Love the opportunity. i got a really good friend who uh, is doing player development in in, in the NFL. i love to have him come on and talk about the player development side. How do you help these guys handle success? How do you help them position themselves to be not only personally successful, but to be in that team environment? And A lot of these player development, they've been advancing a little bit on this player development side. I'm looking forward to maybe having one of my cats come on and talk about about that stuff. We're going to go to drop the mic in we trained to drop the mic. We used to switch off. I dropped the mic, then Hank would drop the mic. But one of the things that's important in, our, in my culture, in our culture, and even how we grew up, you know, um, most of y'all know that Hank and I know each other. And Hank and my brother, those are always the elders. We would go and hang out with them. And then we would learn. And then we took their stuff and remixed it. And in that spirit, when I think about dropping the mic, I'm like we can't end the show The show should always end with the the elder voice dropping the mic. That's just kind of how we got to do it as a way of adding back into the culture. Because I think one of the, the byproducts and one of the things we've lost in this microwave generation, because the young folks have acquired information much more so than their elders, is that they think that information equals wisdom. And it doesn't. Information doesn't equal experience. Information is just information, and if you don't know how to apply it, the way you learn how to apply it is by listening to the folks who have life experience give you game. Cats who grew up in the hood understand that. In the barbershop, you hear it when the elder's speaking. You gotta kind of sit back and listen because they dropping that science. And even though you might disagree with certain elements of it, there's some stuff to be taken away from it. So from now on, as long as we do this show, my brother Hank, because he's big brother Hank to me. We'll be dropping the mic. So I'm going to give the mic to you. Appreciate you, D. Tonight,
1: you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, and we touched on it a little bit last week. I want to preface it this way. We talked a little bit in depth about, you know, Durant going to Golden State or uh, LeBron going to whatever teams we go to, to to try to win championships. We watch, you know, heated uh, games come off and guys are hugging each other and all this other kind of stuff. What I want to talk a little bit about tonight is whatever happened to good old-fashioned hate? Whatever happened to good old-fashioned hate? You know, back in the day before the the, uh, San Francisco Giants went to San Francisco and the Dodgers went to Los Angeles, both of those teams played in New York. And they played each other a lot. And they hated each other. And the players on the teams hated the players on the other teams to the point where if I was being traded to somewhere, don't trade me to those cats because I don't want to play with them. Okay? Back in the 80s, when you watched basketball, when you had uh Magic Lakers and you had Birds uh Celtics, some of the best basketball you ever wanted to see. Why? Cuz those teams hated each other. You could see it on the floor, you could see it in their eyes. They didn't go up after the game and say nice game because they didn't want cuz it wasn't a nice game. Okay? Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach in which the trophy is named after, once said, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. What it is, folks, is what I'm talking about here is when you get between the lines, when you get on the court, when you get on the field, okay, you're going against a rival. You're going against somebody that you've got to see all the time, okay? You respect the game. You respect the court. You respect everything about it. But understand one thing. If you got anything else but the stain in your heart for that few hours that you playing against that other person, then there's something wrong with you. It is that heavy. Don't sit here and tell me and say, this is the problem right now. We live in a, we live in a society where I mean, we give out participation trophies. Well, there ain't no participation trophies in real life. This is why we got entitlement. Nobody owes you nothing. And nowhere else but on the sports field where they don't owe you nothing. There's got to be some good old-fashioned healthy hate so that you can get through to the next score. That's our show for tonight. God bless you and keep you safe.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lop.